0: everyone, this is Jack, and I wanted to give a brief introduction to this episode. So this is returning guest Rita Orlov, one of my favorite creators in the gaming space. She is the designer behind the Tale of Ord and the upcoming Emerald Flame, and I have had a wonderful time talking to her every time she's come on to the podcast or we've done any sort of features with her. But this episode specifically is a spoiler cast for everything to do with the Tale of because the entire stock of the game that theoretically will ever be produced is out there and done. So she felt comfortable doing this. But if you have a copy that you haven't dusted off to actually get to the table yet, you have been warned. But, the main reason we're doing this is because she is getting ready for her upcoming sequel, or, I guess, follow-up to The Tale of Ord. It's unrelated, but still in the same vein, The Emerald Flame. And I'm actually working on a review right now of it, and it is way cool. You should be on the lookout for that. Speaking of which, the other reason why I wanted to do this introduction is when we recorded it, things were still kind of up in the air. I mean, it's still pretty... Pretty hanky out there in the world, but at the time we weren't sure exactly when the Kickstarter was going to launch, and now we do. May 27th is going to be the launch of The Emerald Flame, so be on the lookout for that. And with no further ado, here is Rita Orlov and I going through all the spoilers of The Tale of Ord, as well as some bonus stuff about The Emerald Flame. back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators, and I am welcoming back to the show today, Rita Orlov of Post Curious. Welcome to the show, Rita.
1: Thank you. So great to be here again.
0: Yeah. Well, we're here with a purpose because you've got a new game on the horizon, the Emerald Flame. Tell me about this game really quick. Give us the the nutshell of what this is.
1: The nutshell, well, it is a narrative tabletop puzzle adventure about an alchemist looking for a recipe for a transformative potion. And you, as the player, are helping a somewhat strange uh, historical society in trying to find the documents that this alchemist left behind and try to help them put together the information for this potion.
0: Well, I love tabletop games, I love narrative mysteries, and I love alchemy, so this seems like it's going to be right up my alley, but I don't even need to like all those things to know that this is something worth getting excited about, because I am a huge fan of your previous game, The Tale of Ord, and that's really what we're doing here today. We're doing a spoiler cast. Are you excited? Are you are you ready for this thing?
1: Oh, I'm ready. To, all to, the spoilers.
0: To tell your secrets. So... As a warning, up front, for everyone who's listening, we are going to be getting into The Tale of Ord, the first, the premiere, and I guess the previous game by Post Curious, designed by Rita here, and we're going to be dissecting it completely because this game is no longer in print. You've successfully distributed the entire run of Tale of Ord that's going to be manufactured in the foreseeable future right
1: that is true it is very exciting
0: (laughs) so we're we're cracking this thing wide open but I know there may be some people out there who haven't actually played through their copy yet so if you are concerned about spoilers then you know you might want to turn off now but if you are just interested in just puzzles, narrative mysteries, you want to know more about what Post Curious is about because you're contemplating whether you want to get involved in this Emerald Flame business, or you just like really neat, ephemeral, cryptic stuff, well, this is right up your alley because it's certainly cryptic, and now that it no longer is going to be manufactured, it's certainly ephemeral. So we're going to dive into it. Rita, let's start out. This thing was full of so many different puzzles and so many different, uh, I I guess, focuses. There, there, There are so many narrative pieces that led into different disciplines and you had different languages in there. You had to research music. There's classical literature that's referenced into it from a a design perspective did you start with the theme of the game and then you built those puzzles around it or did you already have in your mind some of these puzzles and ciphers that you wanted to work with and then you found an appropriate theme
1: i started with the theme uh which is which was about norse mythology for anybody who is not familiar with the game um i'm sure there were Probably pieces of puzzles that were just hanging around in my head that I ended up plugging into there. But uh, once I decided on the theme, I spent a good few months just doing research and trying to put together ideas that would fit into this theme and put together a story that would be cohesive with those pieces.
0: Okay, so what's an example of a puzzle that maybe you dreamed up and that that was something where you were like, man, now I got to learn about star charts or I'm going to start looking at, um, I don't know, some like Wagner operas so that way I can deliver this appropriately because you really do go all over the place. You know, what are... What's an example of one of the puzzles that kind of drove you in an unexpected direction? So
1: one of the interesting things that I discovered was that the sort of aesthetic that you find on uh, runestones and these sort of old Norse carvings, and there's actually a whole progression of it, and in the game you saw uh, there's a couple, basically what's almost like a PowerPoint presentation that's talking about... Uh, some of the like runic languages and there's one that's about the art and like the development of the art um and so a lot of the a lot of it is animals and a lot of them have like very curly swirly skinny (laughs) legs and tails and just a lot of you know sort of like celtic knots but they're like animals that are knotted together um and i thought that was really interesting so I wanted to do a puzzle that had that kind of motif in it. Um, So it had a few different animals in it that had these sort of loopy designs. And for some, well, I don't know (laughs) what this reason was, but I decided that it was good for them to be showing a path around a lake. So then I found a lake in Sweden where there were like little tiny islands in the lake and I could lay over this drawing of an animal on top of the lake to create a path going between the islands.
0: When did you know that you had something really special, something that that would really kind of blow the minds of the people who are playing this? Because I I know for me, I think the moment was maybe in the second chapter as I recall with the 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 rose petals, the the paper cutouts that, you know, I was trying to figure out something to do with colors. My wife and I and our our roommate were checking it out late at night and were just like bashing our heads over something. And then the next day, I, I think we ended up utilizing a hint, but the next day... I was like, I don't know, I'm just going to try something. And I walked outside and, you know, Alaska, we don't filter a lot of sunlight in through our windows. We have a lot of overcast here. I live in a rainforest and it's not always, you know, an abundance of light. But as soon as I went outside, they started changing color and it blew my freaking mind that there would be a a physical element to this game that would be reliant on solar energy, you know, sunlight coming in and affecting some of the components. And that made me suspicious. it made all of us suspicious of everything that we were interacting with, that it might have multiple use, that there are additional layers, that really we were imposing limitations on the, the puzzles based off of what we expected from previous game experiences and puzzles and that kind of stuff, that that just kind of... Blew the lid wide open and suddenly we were challenging everything. Was that one of those moments that you saw happen time and time again? Was that something that you expected? Or were there some other aspects to the Tale of Ord where you kind of expected that sort of reaction to happen?
1: Um, Well, that was definitely me trying to create a very special moment. And a lot of the things that I was thinking about when I was designing that game was how can I make people do things that they wouldn't necessarily normally do in a board game? And so that was like, I'm going to make people go outside. <laughs> you, would, you would never do that. You have to get up from your table and walk to the door and like, hopefully it's not raining. Um, but uh, but that was, you know, the, the game is all about sort of blurring the reality and the fantastical and the, you know, the world that you're in with these objects and then this other sort of magical world that exists that you're trying to explore by solving these puzzles and having this object in your hands and walking outside and actually having it change in front of you, I felt like that would be a really cool sort of traversing of that line between what between that sort of magic and reality.
0: Well, you certainly had me second-guessing everything about my reality. I mean, the fact that I was going onto any aspect of the post-curious website and looking at source code and going like, wait, what, is this cardboard box that's in front of me? Does this mean something? You know, like everything suddenly had had possibility in it. And I think what that served more than anything, more than the, the fantastic experience that that you were delivering from like a, a a sleuthing perspective. I think it allowed the 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 narrative to become that much more immersive. You have like a, a secondary belief that you could suddenly just like accept this reality where the things that are being given to you, are more real than any sort of other board game piece that you would be interacting with, that the narrative was more real than the narrative of other games. So much so that by the end, when you're looking at that box and you're reading, you know, some script about it and it's warning you what you should be doing and what are the possible ramifications, you're like, yo, I don't know, but I may be ending the universe if I solve (laughs) Tale of Ord. This is... Kind of
1: terrifying. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of suspension of disbelief involved, but, you know, the the things that suck you in like that are always the best kind of things, I think, where you can really just forget about other things that are happening
0: well let's talk about the things that you just couldn't forget the things that were epic fails on your part because i gotta imagine while you were making this thing there were real frustrating moments where you were either trying to make a physical component happen that just was not happening you were trying to solve a puzzle that was too elaborate that even you couldn't get to the solution of, or you just couldn't make it work within the narrative. Like, what were some really just brain-breaking moments in coming up with this game, bringing it to reality?
1: Yeah, well, it's, you know, prototyping it was definitely challenging, but actually the things that we just talked about, the rose petals and the box were both super, super difficult and the rose petals was it's it's one of my favorite puzzles in the game even though it's probably one of the harder ones but when I when I came up with the whole thing and it has like so many different threads that feed into it I had this moment of like this is genius but then I was like how do I make this actually work because when I started doing it I was trying to use real rose petals uh-huh and I tried like Well, first of all, solar activated paint is not that easy to find. (laughs) And I had to, and I tried, I tried like four different kinds, but it had to be, you know, totally invisible so that you wouldn't notice it's there, but then actually like turn a color very clearly when you bring it out in the sun. And it turns out that also if you dry rose petals, but then paint them, they will Be moist again, and they don't like that. So,
0: (laughs) the moist rose petals sounds like an excellent punk band, though.
1: No, no, people hate the word moist. What are you talking about? Yeah, but
0: if you're in a punk band and (laughs)
1: you're,
0: come on, Mm. the the less people that listen to you, the cooler you
1: are. That's that's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really true, but (laughs) it could be true. Um... (laughs) Okay where was I
0: (laughs) moist rose petals?
1: Oh yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, got a bunch of roses. I tore them apart. I tried drying them in different ways. Um, and some ways worked better than others. In some ways they just became totally brittle and fell apart. Um, but no matter what I did, if I tried to paint them, they would, it just didn't work. So eventually I resigned myself to having to use paper Mm -hmm. Um, well, it's cardstock. Uh, but then I was like, how do I make these look even remotely realistic when they're paper? Um, so I ended up scanning the dried petals that I had, then printing them out, doing several layers of this paint on it because the, the layers didn't always come out even and it wasn't always dark enough. So I would like put on a layer, take it, wait for it to dry, take it outside Make sure that everything changes color the way it's supposed to. Take it back inside. Paint another layer. Like, and then, um, and then cutting out all of the individual petals. Um, so, and then I've had people during playtesting be like, "Wait, are these real?" And I was like, "I'm so glad that you asked that because no." <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing that you had to ask, and I guess maybe that means. I succeeded. Um, But I wasn't sure if if that component was going to happen for a while.
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, one thing that people may not know is that the Tale of Ord was like completely handmade, right? Like you were doing this all yourself and, you know, manufacturing all these things. Were you putting little cardamom pods inside of little bottles and everything to ship out?
1: Yes. And not only cardamom Pods and bottles, but teeny tiny rolled up pieces of paper inside pill containers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or rather, inside pill capsules that then went into a pill container that then got it assembled into a keychain with other things on the keychain. So many different layers of assembly happening.
0: And I'm sure you have like this enormous warehouse where you can keep everything stocked and you have this wonderful workspace. That you have like absolute liberty to set all this stuff up, right? Like you're not having to do this in some tiny apartment, right?
1: No, definitely not my one bedroom Brooklyn apartment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know that that was a particularly difficult puzzle for me, the rose petal one, and it sounds like it was for other people as well. Were there certain stumbling blocks that you found that? With hindsight, maybe you could have made a little bit easier or given a little bit more direction. I mean, it's a hard thing to gauge, right? Because, you know, people's skill levels are are so vastly different. But did you notice any trends when you were witnessing how many clues people were using or the feedback they were giving you or stuff coming up in reviews?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a really challenging game. And in in retrospect, I wish I made it a little bit easier, but... Um, but it's true that it is hard to gauge based on skill levels. I mean, ultimately, there were a few puzzles where more people needed clues because they just were harder puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long but you know as long as they were solvable by a certain percentage of people without needing a hint, it felt like that was okay. and that was kind of the like the challenge level that I wanted, like there were a lot of puzzles where almost nobody needed a hint. And for the most part, people needed hints on, on different puzzles. Like it wasn't always the same one because people also, you know, people just have different skills. And so somebody might take five minutes to solve a puzzle. That's going to take someone else 20 minutes and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think for the most part, it ended up being, Pretty evenly spread out, with with the exception of of a couple puzzles that were were harder for for most people. What is an
0: acceptable level of frustration to you? Because that's one of the things that I put in my re- review that was very positive on the game, but there are moments where things just felt so obtuse. I, I'm trying to think of one in particular, and. and it could be that, you know, you just become single lane focused, right? you one track mind on something has to work and you keep on forcing it and you just don't have that epiphany. I think one of those for us was the star chart that had the, the clear, like, lithograph on top of the, the star chart and you have to, like, flip it around. And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, that just was not clicking for us whatsoever. And I remember... Both my wife and I grumpily at like 11.45 at night being like, we're going to bed. We need to work tomorrow. We're done with this. You know what, Rita? We'll be <laughs> we'll revisit this tomorrow. And I think with a really healthy, healthy dosage of clues uh, accessible through the, the Tale of Ord clue system on the website, we finally were able to get it. And we're like, man, we were never going to get there on our own.
1: Yeah, um... I mean, I think the level of frustration in the in the end is maybe higher than I wanted it to be. <laughs> I will I will admit that. Um, I think it, it's you know it's weird because when I started it, it feels so long ago now, but um, it was after I had played like the first game that I played that was similar to this. That sort of was one of the things that led me to making it was so hard. Like, so much harder than Tale of Lord. Um And then I played another game that was just, like, so easy. And I was like, I want a little bit of frustration, maybe, but still, like, for people to kind of be able to get through it if they need a little bit of help. Um, but I, I think, at, like, at the point where I am now, I definitely tried to make this new game, you know, easier. Um, with a lot a lot more signposting so that people wouldn't need quite as many hints.
0: Well, how personal is the the story that you wrote like I, I'm not saying that it was you know biographical you know, about someone that you know or anything but it, it really seemed like you poured a lot into that story and some of that may be functionality you know you need something to to be the, the, the vessel with which you deliver these puzzles, but it, it seemed, at least from our perspective of the table, that there was a story that you wanted to tell and and that you wanted to be able to deliver it.
1: Can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> what do you think was the story that was trying to be told?
0: Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, so... Well, I
1: mean, like, you, you felt that it was something kind of personal, so I'm curious what... Um, You know, what sort of led you to feel that way?
0: Well, I think what led me to feel that way uh, was that you actually had developed characters uh, and there was a level of intimacy uh, in their communication. And while there was some of that uh, in a way that it was um, obscuring, solutions to puzzles, right? You know, you might have certain letters in, uh, you know, a, a particular order or some poetry that at the start of every stanza would have a, a sort of clue with what word is used. You know, that was what I'm talking about with the, the, the vessel with which you're delivering the, the puzzles and the solutions, right? But it was a lot more extensive than I would have expected.
1: Yeah, well, I, one of the things that I really wanted to do was tell a story that was a bit different and more, well, I mean, I guess I was trying to make something more unique than the things that I normally see out there, which I feel like sometimes, you know, you're. It's it's really hard to weave puzzles together with narrative and also... Not end up having like too much text and too much reading, which mm-hmm. I think the tale of War had, you know, a fair amount of reading, um, but you know, so it's like it's hard to convey a story without that. But I did want to have characters that had, you know, more depth and actual personality beyond just like the task that they're giving you. Right. And so in in the first part, um, the the biggest you know, sort of object that has a lot of clues in it is, um, Rose's journal, which she writes a lot of entries about that kind of gives you some information on her work and her partner and what sort of things she's interested in studying and researching, um, and her views on like mysticism and religion and things like that. And I think that gives you like, a broader, not just a broader understanding of of the character and the world, but kind of puts you more, um, you know, puts you into the story more because it feels like these people are are more real and are not just there as like set dressing for your particular mission.
0: Now, earlier we talked about the the puzzle design frustrations. Did you have any straight up failures like? You know, was there anything that was just left on the cutting room floor where you're like, I cannot make this work?
1: You know, there probably were. But honestly, it was so long ago that I don't really remember. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think it was anything huge, mm-hmm. um, but there, I'm sure there were ideas that I was just like, this isn't going to work. I'm putting you away.
0: OK, well, then let's talk about the opposite. You know, something that was so important to you that you would not compromise by not including it, even though any rational board game publisher out there would go, there's no way we're going to do this. It's either too time intensive, it's too costly. I mean, that could describe the entire project, right? Well,
1: that's the rose petals for sure. I was was in, like, okay, the reason why the main character's name is Rose (laughs) (laughs) is because I made that puzzle.
0: Okay, there you go.
1: I had this puzzle idea and like her partner wrote this poem that started with Rosie, dear, you are my son. And that was like the clue to go outside. Um, and I was like, I'm not, I can't let this go. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. I have it now. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was the thing where after so many trials, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. But I was like, nope, I'm finding a way to do it.
0: Okay. So the final puzzle box, that that's an incredible piece of wooden machinery that, uh, I, I was delighted when I had it in my hands and both Christina, my wife and I were just like looking over this thing and like, we have to get to the center of this, this tome, this obelisk, this, uh, you know, totem of power and whatever could be lying within it. Is that something that you you came up with yourself. That's actually some engineering involved in making that work with all the various switches that are on it and to get it to open one way without being able to reverse it. Or I guess I haven't tried, but I don't think you can reverse it to
1: open the, the other way. That's that's right. You're not supposed to be able to reverse it Um because uh- once you... Once you choose your fate, you, you must live by it. Unless you have a hammer. Yeah. Or like, yeah, <laughs> Just you just need some tools to, to undo it. Um, I, I did come up with it myself. Uh, it took a lot of ridiculous prototyping. Um, my background is in furniture design. So I'm not like totally unfamiliar with, you know, working with wood and making like joints and things like that um however engineering is not really my strong suit so when I was even just setting you know my mind to go about it I was like how how do I do engineering (laughs) (laughs) so I started just like looking at mechanisms and like how do different types of locks work and how can I make like a super analog lock that's not too complicated but also not guessable Mm -hmm. Um, because that was actually a big part of it like if you had for example if i had like a because the input is is four uh you know digits ultimately right um but if i had like a four digit lock and you had three out of the four puzzles solved then you could pretty much just guess the last one um but the way that these switches are arranged you would have to try a lot of combinations if you were going to try to guess even even one of them. Um, so I was trying to make it so that you really had to solve all four puzzles in order to get it
0: open. Did you know from the get-go when you were starting on this project that there would be two ultimate conclusions and that you would seal your fate with one or the other?
1: Not when I started. Um, it that That developed later on as I developed the story and... I liked, I liked the idea of, of giving the player a choice in, in terms of the ending.
0: An irrevocable choice.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, most choices kind of are.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe in reality, but not in the gaming space, which again is, you know, this, this is defying what we would typically consider the, the extent of a table, you know, in the tabletop game sphere that you're playing within. But, you know, most of the time... If you're doing a, I don't know, let's say a choose-your-own-adventure, you can go like, okay, I saw that end, but let's go back and see what happens if we had done it the other way. Because you're like, I'm probably not going to go through this a second time, and I want to see what all available content is out there. Well, like
1: you said, you could just grab a hammer, so...
0: (laughs) But then again, one, I lose a beautiful little... Um, piece of memorabilia that I have preserved to the side and two it's also it's provocative in a way that a game challenged me in a way to not see what the other side is and to just trust that this is what we have earned and this is what we accepted and I'm totally satisfied with that conclusion but you know like it It definitely defied my expectation, uh, and was one of the things that we were really jazzed about. Like as soon as we realized that it was a binary thing, it felt really devious, and we were like, "Rita Orlov, look at what you have done."
1: (laughs) Well, then, then I succeeded.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Throughout this whole thing, there's all kinds of different puzzles, um, and. There's various mechanisms with which you deliver them. There's things that are based off of words. There's things that are based off of numbers. Uh, There's uh, things that are more playful, things that are more research intensive. I don't know much about your own development as a puzzle creator. I, I know that you have a ton of experience with escape rooms, and I know that by now you are effectively what I would consider a subject matter expert on anything that's like uh, cryptic, I guess (laughs) I would say. (laughs) Were any of the puzzles that were involved in this like directly inspired by something that you had your own revelatory moment on throughout your childhood or in your adult life where you did something and you were like, oh, that was genius how that worked out. And you wanted to either homage it or you wanted to utilize elements of that in order to to pass that on to um, the, the people who are your audience?
1: Wow, that's, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, the only thing that I can think of is there's one particular puzzle that was born um out of the game that i was that i mentioned earlier that was the really difficult one that i played before i made this Mm -hmm. um and it had a set of keys in it which i was convinced by the wording of the clue that i had to do one particular thing with it Mm -hmm. and i was like so proud of myself for figuring it out but then i did the thing and it didn't work at all (laughs) (laughs) and i was like why isn't it this thing Um, And then when I was making the game, I was like, I'm going to make this thing because I like this idea and it doesn't exist yet.
0: Can you copyright a puzzle? Like, do you have to worry about how you present yourself? Is there a puzzle community that would look down on you if one of your your solutions was a little too close to something pre-existing? Are there famous puzzles that someone who's within that community would be like, Oh, I know exactly where you got this from.
1: Well, I think it's I think it's more similar to board games in that way because you have certain puzzle mechanics which are you know might be pretty common. like if you're just translating a cipher, like you can't <laughs> copyright that. Um, but if you were gonna do something that's like very specifically the same as someone else, then somebody might take notice of that. Um, but I think usually I mean you know there there are certain themes that get reused um, but the what makes it interesting is how are you using that mechanic right because there's a million worker placement games but like what is one worker placement game doing differently than this other one that makes it special so it's it's you know i think it's similar in that way that you have to put some kind of twist on it and that's what makes it different
0: well i do want to know about the puzzle community and the escape room community and that kind of thing are there real famous examples of of puzzles and ciphers that people who are immersed in this stuff would say oh yeah that's based on like some 1972 thing and that kind of set the standard for what people did from then on
1: there are definitely very sort of standard recognizable puzzles okay but it's but I think it's more about like puzzle type um, and I'm not sure <laughs> I mean I don't know who's like super well versed on the history of all of these puzzles but you know it's it's kind of like if you're If you see a piece of paper and you see a Sudoku on it, you're like, that's a Sudoku. Mm -hmm. That's just a recognizable thing. So I might look at something and be like, that's a Masonic cipher or like, this is a Rebus puzzle. Um, I know what to do with it, but you still have to solve it.
0: Yeah, and all that kind of stuff is like acquired knowledge that must be so incredibly hard to gauge when you're targeting an audience. The level of experience that you can anticipate God, I can't imagine designing around that because you're going to have those experts, and then you're going to have dumb people like me who have never been exposed to anything like this.
1: Well, first of all, that's a very silly thing to say. I mean, well, like I said, it's. I think it's. It's not so much about the type of puzzle; it's about what you're doing with it, and how are you going to make it interesting? Because it's, you know, I mean, it happens that I see things sometimes that I've never seen before, um, but like oftentimes you're like, I kind of know what this is, but it's done differently. So I still need to figure out what it is. Um, and I think having, I mean, having past experiences for Tale of or it probably helped a lot because it, it is more cryptic in that way. And it is just very challenging. So if you've like never done a puzzle game or never done an escape room, you might open this package and look at all this stuff and be like, what? is happening I have no idea what to do with it um whereas at least you might have some idea of where to start if you have have done it before um and I mean and that's something that I've wanted to kind of move away from a little bit and try to get um try to get the new game to appeal to a broader audience and like make it more approachable for a broader audience so that you don't necessarily have to have so much puzzle experience to understand what's happening
0: that's a great segue because i i definitely wanted to get into tale of ord i wanted to talk about specific puzzles but i also want to talk about the emerald flame because this is your second project and you are going to be kickstarting it here soon and this interview is probably going to be going up around the the launch of that kickstarter or a little bit in advance of that and The Emerald Flame itself is, you know, like, your follow-up. There's a lot of expectations going into that. This is like your sophomore album. Not only (laughs) do you have to outdo Tale of Ord in some way of being just, you know, that incredibly clever thing and and reproduce the magic that you had with that. You also have to prove that you're not just one thing, right? You know, it has to be different, but it has to feel as good as which has got to be a really difficult position for you. So like what is fundamentally different about going into this project about you as a creator, like what are you bringing to the table differently?
1: You know, I tried to take the lessons that I learned in making and testing Tale of Ward and, and what players told me as they've been playing. And so I tried to design with all those things in mind. Um, but also just having already designed it had like a much better understanding of kind of how people perceive things and what's going to throw people off. Um, how to like communicate with puzzles better. And I also tried to actually make the puzzles in this game a lot more visual. So there's a little bit less um, uh, communication in terms of writing. And so I was trying to figure out how to you know, use images or icons in order to convey ideas to people.
0: Is there a fundamental difference about this project that presents new opportunities to you that you weren't able to do with the Tale of Ord? I mean, you were just starting out with Post Curious. You are making this all entirely in your one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. Uh, And so is this going to be... Effectively, the the same medium, or is this going to be manufactured in a different way? Does that present new opportunities for things that you wouldn't have been able to do? Of course, without giving any spoilers.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I can I think it's like it is definitely the same medium, and I think it's sort of a spiritual successor, mm-hmm. like not not a sequel, but I think it, it's definitely made um, with the same. Uh, spirit and and sort of inspirations behind it Um, but this one is going to be manufactured so that presents a lot of challenges and you know in, in some ways it seems like it would be easier because I don't have to make things myself but it also makes it a lot more limiting in terms of what I can actually do because somebody else has to make it and so it has to. I have to find somebody to make the weird things that I need them to make, and uh, that's not always so easy. Because, you know, trying to work with manufacturers for the first time, I've had a few people get back to me and just be like, "Sorry, this is too complicated. We can't <laughs> do it." And I was like, "This is so much less complicated than my other game." <laughs> so like, when even when I was doing Tale of War, it occurred to me to even try that and I I didn't end up trying to contact manufacturers but I don't think anybody would have wanted to make it (laughs) even if I did
0: oh man well without giving any spoilers in the, the most cryptic way that you can can you give us some sort of teaser, you know, something that you are so excited for people to see about The Emerald Flame?
1: Well, I mean, my favorite thing about it, and this isn't a spoiler because I've been posting it, but my favorite thing about it is is really the artwork that I spent a lot of time doing. And, um, you know, I, I told you before it was sort of inspired by the Voynich manuscript and looking at a lot of, like, weird alchemical drawings. And so I had a lot of fun, um, putting together the images for it and doing all the drawings. And, uh, one of the things that I'm also excited for is the puzzles that I'm going to have up during the Kickstarter, which, you know, you were asking me if there was anything on the cutting room floor for Taylor Ward, but there was a bunch of things on the cutting room floor, <laughs> <laughs> for Emerald Flame, but I'm taking them off the floor and <laughs> I'm bringing them out. Yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of ideas that I really loved, and they just didn't really fit into the game because I was trying to tighten it up a little bit in terms of how the puzzles fit into the narrative um, in the Emerald Flame. And so I had a bunch of other things that I still wanted to use, and I was like, this is a cool puzzle, but it just doesn't really go here. And so we're going to have a little campaign in partnership with the Koshé Historical Society, which is uh, the society that's, you know, commissioning you to try and help them find these mysterious documents. And so I'll be posting a puzzle once a week for people to solve. And they're all based on things that are, you know, sort of tangential to the game itself, like it's it's happening in the same world, but it's it's and it's even things that had like the same inspirations as some of the puzzles, um, and just sort of done in a different way. So just to give one example, if you walk around Prague, there's a lot of um I don't know what they're called. in in some places, they're called Gable stones. I'm not sure if it's the same there, but they have these sort of like, sigils and uh, shields on certain buildings and one of the main symbols of Prague is like this little castle shield Um, but a lot of the houses have them and they have like different animals and different objects and stuff and I was really fascinated by those and so I wanted to use them and you know in the way that Tale of Ward uses the runestones that actually do exist in real life. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to incorporate those somehow, but in the end, I decided to not have so much use of the internet in this new game. Okay. So there's really like, there's a couple of links that you have to go to, but all the information is sort of there. And other than that, like everything you need is in the box. So you don't really have to do kind of research in the way that you do have to do with the Tale of Ward. Um, but so because I cut that out, I didn't end up using the, the sort of real life element of, of those, um, symbols, but I still wanted to use them. So those are going to be coming up, uh, during the campaign as well. And you'll get to have some fun walking around in a Google street view and finding them.
0: That is awesome. And I, I don't know, man, like I, I, hope there are some easter eggs to be found throughout the kickstarter page like i don't trust reality at all i bet you if we took a transcript of everything that was in this podcast and we took like every 10th word of every third sentence that you said, it's going to end up stringing together into something incredibly impressive, I wouldn't put it past you. But for now, I am going to leave it there. I really appreciate you coming back onto the Cardboard Herald. I'm excited about the Emerald Flame, and I am so thrilled that I got to pour through the tale of Ord while it was still a thing. Me too. Thank you again, Rita, for coming back onto the show.
1: Thanks so much. It's been great.